0: on today's episode.
1: I loved to write my whole life when I was a little kid. When you were listening to Peter and the Wolf, I was reading Charlotte's Web. That book made such an impression on little girl me, and I knew that I loved to write, but I did not know that I could be a writer. I thought writers were important people, and I was just a young girl. But when I went to college, I had a teacher, and she was a writer. And she took me under her wing, and she asked me a simple question that changed my life. She said to me, what are you thinking about? And I got ready to tell her, and she said, no, don't tell me, write it down. And with that, she became my first audience. And because she took me seriously, I learned to take myself seriously and started to wonder if I could actually pursue this path and become a writer.
0: I'm your host, Greg Fendus stay tuned this is one big question Tyari Jones is a best-selling author whose acclaimed novels explore the human condition with depth and compassion and they reveal her gifts as a storyteller and a visionary creative force Her works ask fundamental questions about identity, about family, about America, and they have riveted readers around the world. Tayari is the Charles Howard Candler Professor of Creative Writing at Emory University, where since 2018, she has taught and mentored undergraduate students of all skill levels. Now, I know I'm a little bit late to the party, but I just finished reading the book right here that I have next to me, Tayari's novel, An American Marriage, and it just is an incredible book. I have a lot of questions for her about it, but that's not why I've invited her to join me today. Instead, I want to talk about teaching, about why, of the many options available to her, she finds that teaching undergraduate students allows her to have the greatest impact as a professor. Tayari, welcome. Thank you so great to have you here today.
1: Well, I am delighted to talk to
0: you. So let's jump right in and start with the big question. Why do you, an acclaimed novelist with an audience around the world, dedicate your teaching time to undergraduate students at Emory, and especially students that are in disciplines that, at least on the surface, appear to have nothing to do with writing?
1: Well, In my opinion, the undergraduate classroom is really where the magic happens. When I was a young person, I took a creative writing class, and one, I was stunned to find out that you could actually take a class in creative writing. I didn't understand it as a discipline. I thought, you know how some people can sing? I thought some people could write. And when I found out that I could study it and get better at it and have a mentor, I knew that was why I had come to college. And I imagine that many of my undergraduates are in the same position. It's an idea to grab on to a little, a little dream you had inside you, and you didn't know that it could be kind of like an official thing.
0: Wow, that's tremendous! So, how do you approach the uh, the student finding that that nugget, that dream, and bringing it out creatively?
1: Well, yeah, every student is different, and. Every student signs up for a creative writing class for different reasons. There's some people who dream of being writers. There's some people who think they would just enjoy writing and you know there're going to be some who just need that gen ed requirement but they can all benefit from creative writing because being able to express yourself in a way that kind of pops on the page that's a skill you take with you throughout your whole life it's a skill you can use not just in looking for what your career career will be or what your you know what kind of job you take creative writing is a skill that benefits you in your interpersonal relationships the better you are at changing into changing your feelings and thoughts into language, the more you're the more you're engaged with whoever you're talking to, whoever you're writing to, whatever you're thinking about.
0: So one of the things that's just wonderful about uh, an American marriage is you're going into each each character and you're learning about them and their thoughts and their experiences. How much, How do you teach your students to relate to their own experience and then express that in a character that may be very different than who they are?
1: Well, what we do first is learn how to express the mind of a character similar to who they are. You know, they're very young writers. And one thing people do when they're starting writing is they say, oh, I want to write about someone so different from me. And I think part of that is because to examine the self is the most challenging thing. So I have them kind of start off by, I ask them, what is the history of your name? Because when you can tell how you got your name, it tells us a lot about who you are. It tells us about your parents' ambition for you, what kind of culture you're from. And I have them start off doing that. And then I have them imagine some other person who may be different from themselves. And what is their name? And what does it tell you about that imaginary person? So with creative writing, I always start with examining the self.
0: So if, if if that was you, you gave that assignment to me, the history of my name, I'd be about two or three sentences. I, how do you, how do you get students to think more deeply than just the the surface? Well, of well, who tell they are?
1: give give me those two or three sentences. I'm ready.
0: Okay. Um, so let's see. My mother named me Gregory because um, well, in the 1950s, I think it was a common name. That's all I know.
1: Well, that's a lot to know. That means your mother wanted you to have a name that wouldn't stand out like a sore thumb. She wanted you to get along with other people. She wanted you to have a name that was legible. And it was the 1950s where that kind of legibility was a huge part of the culture. So that tells us right there some context, like if you take my name, Tayari, which is Swahili, which means she is prepared, you can tell right away I was born in 1970 and that my parents were part of this kind of African-American cultural reclamation movement. And they did not care one bit that I had a name that no one could spell or pronounce. So it's really the opposite impulse.
0: Oh, my goodness. I have got to take your class.
1: Well, you are absolutely welcome to, but you can't tell anyone who you really are.
0: (laughs) So how uh, students take your class and they learn about themselves, how to express themselves, and this was just an incredible example. They learn how to create other characters, how to tell stories. After they finish with your class, how does that change uh, your students?
1: Well, I think that one thing, they increase their confidence because they have to – the way we do the creative writing class, it's a workshop format. They turn their work in and give a, co- a copy to every student in the class, and we discuss it roundtable. And that takes, a, that takes a lot of nerve, and many of them do not arrive – confident and brave enough to do that. But then they leave knowing how to take criticism from other people. They also learn to be better critics. They learn how to give suggestions to others in a way that is productive, not hurtful. I mean, one thing I love to say is that we have a sane and civil workshop experience. And that sanity and civility, it's so important in all kinds of group dynamics,
0: Absolutely. So that that may be a very important part of what they learn in your class, it sounds like.
1: I think that's a huge part of it, just learning to give and receive feedback. It's important. And also to to understand how to understand criticism for other people and decide whether or not you will accept that criticism, because sometimes your peers will be absolutely correct about what's wrong with your story, but other times they can't see your vision, and you have to be able to tell the difference between helpful criticism and criticism that's kind of like interrupting your flow and how to lean into and stay with your flow.
0: Hmm. Well, that's a, that's a skill and experience that'll benefit the, those students in everything that they do.
1: And it's a lot of fun. I think we have a great time in the creative writing classes. The students bond. They stay in little cohorts for the whole rest of the time they're in college with the people that they took intro to creative writing with, even though they've gone on to their other majors. Because in creative writing class, they have revealed themselves to each other. And that makes for bonding.
0: And do you keep up with uh, your students after the class and see what they do?
1: I do keep up with them after the class. And, you know, since I'm an author, I travel a lot with my books and they show up to my readings and I sometimes feel absolutely tearful just to glimpse them in the audience. And I ask them all the time, are you still writing? And some of them say no, but then I ask them what they're doing with their life and someone will say, oh, well, I decided to go to law school. And I said, I bet you're still writing. You're using that and I'm proud of you.
0: So let me uh, zoom out a bit, and uh, we're here in Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, there's so much that's going on in Georgia in terms of the arts and, and creativity, but what could we be doing to support the arts and the humanities, especially in writing, that, that that is just so important for the examples that you've given about your students?
1: I think writing and humanities are very often kind of invisible scaffolding for other fields, and we don't really recognize that. A writer or someone in the humanities has had a huge part in our experience with say even things like science, you know, right now, we have all this public health rollout with the pandemic and the vaccines, you know, somebody a creative writer wrote that article that convinced someone to go get their vaccine. Um, Someone in the humanities figured out how to make those um, public service announcement posters, all that kind of stuff. So we are everywhere, but people kind of take for granted our contribution. So one thing we can do is just notice. And of course, I want to say support um, writing and other humanities in public schools. The younger people are when they start to appreciate the humanities, the more likely they'll carry that with them throughout their trajectory. Contact your congressperson your senator, and check on the, what's going on with that curriculum. And hey, can we unban some books?
0: That would be a great, great start. Well, uh, I, I know when my daughters uh, were in school, they're now adults, um, and they went to college and, and trying to figure out what they wanted to study, what they wanted to do. I, I told them, and I'm, as a professor, it doesn't matter what you study, what you major, as long as you learn to write, because learning how to write is learning how to think and learning how to communicate.
1: Well, then we see you get an A++ as a dad. And now I'm interested in your views about this at Emory. What role do you think that Emory plays in lifting up and strengthening the arts and humanities?
0: Well, Emory, one of the things that attracted me to Emory coming here a year and a half ago is the, the liberal arts and the creative arts here at Emory, which my wife is an artist. And so that's always been an important part of our, our lives and our family. And my experience as a professor is, again, it doesn't matter what a student is studying. Students learn about themselves through many different creative outlets. It could be writing. It could be music. Uh, I've seen so many talented students whose, whose creative expression is, is through music. And it's just such a, an important uh, way of understanding yourself and, and understanding the world. Just last weekend, we worked with the Emory Chamber Orchestra for a performance of Peter and the Wolf. Now I grew up listening to Peter and the Wolf with Prokofiev, and uh, we had a wonderful performance uh, with uh, some incredible pianists. And the audience were young young children, four years old, five years old, ten years old, and just to see them enthralled with the story and the music and the combination. I hope they remember it as well as I remember listening to Peter Wolf as a young child.
1: I hope they'll remember it. But what do you do when they get a little older and they say, well, I can't study the arts or humanities because it's not practical, you know, that this learning to appreciate, you know, a violin concerto, that's not going to help me pay my student loans. What do you say to people who challenge the practicality of an education in the arts?
0: Well, I think to to be uh, to to be a member of society, to understand yourself, you need to understand the arts, that it, it adds so much to your quality of life. And my pushback on practicality is, we have students at Emory for four years as an undergraduate. That's a short time in their entire mm-hmm. lives. And what is a practical skill that we might teach them or they might learn may only last a few years. And they have their entire lives ahead of them. And understanding who they are, understanding society, understanding history, understanding forces that affect society, that will last them an entire lifetime where practical skills come and go.
1: And, you know, I have never in my life heard anyone say that they wish they were less creative.
0: That's absolutely right. And create, as you you've talked about your students, creativity has effects in everything you do. Absolutely. So tell me, uh, Terry, how did you want to become a writer? and What inspired you to pursue this path to be such an acclaimed novelist?
1: Well, I loved to write my whole life when I was a little kid. Like when you were listening to Peter and the Wolf, I was reading Charlotte's Web and being just blown away by Wilbur.
0: Wilbur. I remember Wilbur. Remember Wilbur? Of course. I mean,
1: to this day, I am 51 years old. And to this day, when I'm feeling nervous, I recite the words that Charlotte said to Wilbur. You know, some pig, terrific, radiant, humble. I mean, that book made such an impression on little girl me. And I knew that I loved to write, but I did not know that I could be a writer. Like, I knew I enjoyed writing, but I didn't take myself seriously enough to know that I could be a writer. I thought writers were important people, and I was just a young girl. But when I went to college, I had a teacher, and she was a writer. And she took me under her wing and she asked me a simple question that changed my life. She said to me, she said, what are you thinking about? And I got ready to tell her and she said, no, don't tell me, write it down. And with that, she became my first audience. And because she took me seriously, I learned to take myself seriously and started to wonder if I could actually pursue this path and become a writer. It was a very long road from there to here, and it involved me standing up to my parents who thought this was impractical. But because of the confidence that I got as an undergraduate from a professor, I was able to say that, no, mom and dad, I think this is important what I'm doing. I think I have something to say and I want to try.
0: That took a lot of determination and guts.
1: Yeah, they were not into it, like not even a little bit.
0: But they must be proud of you now.
1: You know, they, they absolutely are. And this is one thing I tell my students, that when your parents don't want you to pursue writing, it's not that they don't believe in writing. It's not even that they don't believe in you. They don't believe that the world will take care of you. Their lack of faith is in the world. They have all the faith in you. And when it all works out, they're happy because that's all they want is for you to have a happy and productive life. It's not that they didn't want you to write.
0: That's such great advice. But you also became a teacher. You, you just told that, uh, that story of an inspirational teacher that set you on the path that you took with such passion. How did you get interested in teaching and did it come naturally to you?
1: Well, teaching is, in my family, it is the family business. My mother and father met in graduate school, and they are both professors. As a matter of fact, I had to come back to teaching because I was under, I don't have a PhD. As a creative writer, I have a Master of Fine Arts. And when I wanted to pursue the MFA degree, my parents were aghast. My mother said to me, if you don't get a PhD, you will spend the rest of your life explaining why you don't have one. And I said, Mama, I don't, I don't think that's true. A, a lot of people don't have PhDs. And she said, like who? Name someone. Because everyone they know has a PhD and is a professor. And so I really resisted that route of becoming a professor too. However, I love teaching. I love young people. I love watching students grow. My first teaching job was to teach adult literacy and that was such a rewarding experience to teach people how to decipher language. And those were the best students I ever had because if you're an adult and you have managed to make it through life without being able to read, you have so many other skills to work around that. And so when you help those people, you give them the key to unlock reading so much changes in their lives, and just witnessing that miracle really made me come back to the classroom. And so after I finished my Master of Fine Arts, I got my first college teaching gig, and I decided the undergraduates for me really are the sweet spot. I just love them
0: we are so fortunate to have you at Emory teaching our undergraduates cuz that's not always as you know in in academia that's not always so common where where professors want to want to teach undergraduates
1: well part of the joy of undergraduates in creative writing cuz i used to teach for many years in a master of fine arts program and it was also very rewarding but those students are on the cusp of their career and you have to get practical with them in a different kind of way because they will be off into the world of writing in the next 18 months. With undergraduates, they are on the very back of the runway. And so we have all this time to experiment. They can, you know, practice in other genres. They're finding themselves and they don't have, you know, something breathing down their neck saying, you need to find an agent. You need to find an agent. They don't even know what agents are. What they know is the story that's in their heart. And that's what I work with them on. I feel like teaching undergraduates, is about the mind and the heart.
0: So what do you, what do you think uh, we should be doing at Emory to to make sure that students that are taking your class and, and all the classes and, and majors, we're bringing out that, that creative spirit in them because that's something that will, will last them a lifetime.
1: You know, one thing I think is really important is that as as professors, just make sure we pull back from what is the next step. So much of creativity is about being in the now and just pulling back, just for part of the class period, or part of the semester, just do some assignments or some exercises that you aren't really worried about how exactly they plug in to the next level, and just be in this moment learning and enjoying one another and enjoying the meeting of the minds that can only happen in the classroom.
0: Do your students affect the way you think about your creativity and what you wanna be expressing and what projects you might want to work on?
1: You know, so many people, I have a lot of peers in creative writing who say that, you know, teaching is so hard for them. They can't write while they teach. I have the opposite experience. Teaching motivates my writing. And about, I think it was like 2009 or 10, I was at a very low point in my career. My publisher dumped me. I was shocked. I was wounded. I was offended. And I was in trouble. I hadn't gone up for tenure yet. And I don't have a contract for my next book. And I was so discouraged, I didn't even want to keep trying. But I teach, and I tell my students, you write the story that your heart calls you to write. You don't write for an agent, you don't write for a publisher. You write because there's a reason you feel that story should be in the world. So how could I face them, and after having abandoned my work because I was worried about a publisher? I could not. And so to be honest and to keep myself on the right path with my students, the assignments I gave my students, I did those assignments myself in working on my own project, even though I was told that my publisher would never, you know want to take me back. The publisher didn't feel that I was lucrative enough, simply. it wasn't it wasn't any mark against the book. It was a mark against me, which is even harder because if they were discriminating against the book, I could improve the book. But anyway, I just kept writing alongside my students, and I was able to finish the book because I was on the journey with them.
0: So what are you working on now? What's what's your next project? Can you tell us anything about it?
1: What am I working on? Well, I think the better question is what
0: is working on me? I am
1: working on um, a teleplay for An American Marriage. I'm writing the pilot. I've never done screenwriting before. It's exciting though to learn how to do something new. It's not often as an adult, you get to get a whole new set of skills. It's fun. I like wow. it.
0: So this is going to be a, a, a series? I think so. Wow. Well, I mean, I, I uh, you know, meeting Roy and Celestial and Andre, I can't wait to see them alive on, on the screen.
1: I am so excited about it.
0: Do you get to do the casting?
1: I think I get input. I don't think I get to choose, but I get to do input. And they have promised me that I'll have one of those, you know, those director's chairs with your name on the back. That I can't wait for.
0: Well, we'll have to Instagram that photo. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. So how is uh, screenwriting different from, from writing a novel?
1: A novel, the question you ask yourself in a novel is how does something feel? The thing that novels give you that movies don't is that the writer can tell you what the character is feeling. So you would say, how does jealousy make you feel? And that's the magic of a novel. With a screenplay, you have to say, "What does jealousy do? What does jealousy say?" Completely different questions. With novels, we use dialogue as the last; it's the last tool in your toolkit. But with screenwriting, it's the
0: first. Well, this I'm looking forward to. It. Can't wait to can't wait to see it. And can you imagine we could be at the premiere? Do I get an invitation? Absolutely. All right. Well, Tyree Jones, thank you for, for being here today and joining me on this podcast of One Big Question. And you not only answered it, you answered so many more. And I know you, our listeners are going to be so motivated and uplifted by listening to you talking about your creativity.
1: Well, thanks for having me. And I hope that our listeners will pick up a pen.
0: Absolutely. Thank you.
1: Thank you.